Hey, family, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. We invite you to this holy hour of power just to have a seed, pour yourself something to drink, and just enjoy the show. We promise to give you full contact Catholicism. By that, we mean that we engage the culture of death with prayer, facts, fasting, and full contact Catholicism. Our program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong, and I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, I'm reporting for duty, and every time you say this, it always fires me up, and I'll tell you why. Because it's the truth. Everything you just said, faith, facts. I mean, we have the truth. We have the fullness of the faith. And here we are. I mean, I can almost pinch myself. Are we really here, Jesse, every day to share the gospel with the world that acts like God doesn't exist? Absolutely. So, yes, I'm reporting for duty, brother. Jess, today's topic, you pick some good ones, brother. Catholic Vote launches a $3 million midterm campaign at kicking Catholic Democrats out of office. I said it. You know why? Because we're tired of it. These guys are phonies that say they're Catholic and are politicians and they're voting like pagans. Okay, we're done. We're done with that. Number two, this is a very sad one. It actually hurts me to have to say it, Jess. Human rights advocates respond after Pope Francis says Vatican-China deal moving well. Uh, Is this microphone on, Jess? Mm -hmm. It's moving anything but well. And I appreciate the people speaking out with love, I notice, and charity to the Holy Father. But when he's wrong, he's wrong on this. And we'll talk more about why he's wrong on that. Another one, the sacramentally of, sacraments of the building. In other words, Bishop Sheen, this guy gives a great article how Fulton Sheen talks in many of his books about, uh, well, the way you worship is the way you believe. But, um, you know, I said this in the story, you know, show me the way you build your churches and I'll tell you who you are. So he goes after modernism. And, he, you know, you've been into cathedrals and churches that look more like a basketball court than a church. So, you know, we're going to talk about that and much, much more. But before we get to these topics, and Jess, if you want to give a good news story before the gospel, great. If not... Well, let, let me talk about the saint of the day real quick. Oh, yeah. For, for saint Camillus de Lillus. Saint, yeah. saint Camillus de Lillus. Yes. Uh, he, a native of the Abruzzi region of Italy, Camillus had a troubled adolescence having lost all his possessions to gambling. Oh. He found work with the Capuchins in Manfredonia, where he was moved to repentance and to conversion. He applied to the hospital of San Giacomo and began studies for the priesthood. In 1582, he organized a group of men to give their lives to the care of the sick and dying. St. Camillus promoted proper nutrition and the quarantine of infectious patients advanced ideas for his dime for his wow. time. He died in sixteen fourteen. He founded the Order of the Servants of the Sick and is the patron of nurses. Saint Camillus de Lillis, pray for us. So any of your friends or relatives that are sick, ask for his intercession for them. That mm. would be my recommendation. All right, Jess, anything mm. before the gospel, brother? Yeah, no, I'll go right to the gospel. Okay, good news. Yeah. Some soul food. Soul food. Matthew chapter uh, 12, verses 38 to 42. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He said to them in reply, An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. 
At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and there is something greater than Jonah here. At the judgment, the queen of the south will arise from this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Here we're, here's, again, the gospel of Matthew, our Lord Jesus Christ, is having a running gun battle with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And uh, the Pharisees want to entertain themselves. They're saying, come on, man, if you're the Messiah, if you're the Son of God, show us a sign, perform a miracle. But Jesus Christ is not going to entertain people that are unbelievers. And so Jesus Christ says, an evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of, the, of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to entertain you with miracles because you don't, you don't believe. You already have a hard heart. Yep. The only sign I'm going to give the world is my resurrection. That's all you need to know. Deal with it. If you don't accept that, you're not going to accept anything else. But that also applies to a lot of people in the 20th century. There's a lot of Catholics in the 20th and 21st century. They're apparition chasers. They, they're, they're always chasing the, new, the newest fad on the Internet. That uh, Our Lady's appearing here. Jesus appearing here. Michael's, St. Michael's appearing here. But Jesus Christ, he warns us. He says, only an evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign. What sign have we been given definitively? The resurrection. And what sign are we given every day? And that's all basically we need to hang our hat on is the daily miracle that happens at the Mass, the transubstantiation, the bread and wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's all we need. We don't need to be chasing around signs or mystics all over the country. Finally, our Lord says that, uh, that one, one uh, is greater here than Solomon. In other words, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament uh, types. He's a fulfillment of Solomon. He's a perfection of Solomon. He's a perfection of David. He's a perfection of Adam. Uh, he's a perfection of, of all, the, all the archetypes of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ perfectly fulfills them because he's sinless, he's the Son of God, and he's divine. Terry? Well said, Jesse. You know, we're going to have a whole article about Bishop Sheen, so I'm just going to make a quick one. But let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop <laughs> Talking about liturgy today with Archbishop Sheen, you know, he says the way you worship is the way you believe, and his books on the sacraments, anybody can get any of his old books online, get them now. Many of the publishers are starting to pick up more and more on republishing Fulton Sheen's work. Why? Because it's so outstanding. So that's what my recommendation is. If you see an old book of Fulton Sheen, pick it up, treasure it. I used to have all of my books. Now I'm so happy that John Paul II, the inst uh, John Paul II, the great university in San Diego, has all of my books. I why? Because I'm an old guy. Jess, I'm going to be gone, and those books, please God, will be at yeah. that university. Kids, young minds are going to be reading over Fulton Sheen. That just makes my day. So that's what I would recommend. Jess, I also want to thank everybody. This is really special. Your your health is getting better and better, Definitely. and people have been praying for you. And I want to acknowledge their prayers, yes. and you do too, and I know that, because, Jess, we are a family. We talk about family. Wait, we'll be right back after break. No, we're a big family. We pray for each other. And Jess is getting better and better, and so continue to pray for my brother Jess. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for all your prayers. I covet your prayers. Mm -hmm. 
I would just uh, yeah, I would just tell you that I'm about 95% healed. Awesome. Healed from my from my prostate uh, surgery that awesome. I had a couple of weeks ago, and boy oh boy, uh, I was taking down Penance Alley for a couple of weeks. <laughs> But hey, you know, the Lord knows that I needed that, and uh, and hopefully I'm going to be a better Christian man for it. Well said, Jess. And I just want to remind everybody, uh, we just sent out a letter last week for our, our summer slump, our financial slump. Every summer it seems that donations slow up, and bills don't slow up. They come in every month. And I want to thank those who have sent money to us, and I want to encourage anyone to go to vmpr.org, or they can call us at 877 526 2151. As a matter of fact, I put a big thing in there. They go, yeah, Terry, if someone gives you $1,000, you'll take them to lunch. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, they do. And you know what? I'm willing to do it, but I kind of, <laughs> over the years, Jess and I have done that. But you know, folks, we, we don't do, I mean, if you want to go to lunch with me and you want to even, I mean, I'll go to lunch with you, okay? But uh, the way they have it set up in the letter is a $1,000 donation, and I would be honored to have a meal with you. You can call us at 877-526-2151. Oh, the fireside chat also. Uh, my engineer just reminded me. I had a fireside chat uh, with, um, um, tell me his name again. I always think, uh, Charles Cologne. Charles Cologne. I took an hour and a half with him. And folks, anybody's a monthly donor, you're going to want to hear what he has to say. You've heard him on the radio, but I really got down, Jess, as you know, with these fireside chats. And he really told me some things that I believe uh, are fascinating about world church history. Hmm. So this guy should know it. So if you want to get that, become a monthly donor uh, by going to vmpr.org. That's only $25 a month. We send you hundreds of dollars worth of downloads. I mean, you're making money just on the downloads. But in, in addition to that, you get fireside chats every month. And again, we thank you because Jess and I and all the crew here we pay our bills through our monthly donations and the donors that come through. And you guys have done that for, what, five years now. Uh, many of you know that we were uh, persona non grata by a lot of different people. And that didn't stop Jess and myself and the crew here to continue to fight for the truth. And that's what we started Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I, I know that you appreciate it or you wouldn't be listening. Uh, Jess, what are we going to cover? Now, this Catholic League launches a $3 million midterm Catholic campaign. Vote. Catholic, Catholic vote. vote. Catholic yeah. Vote, good guys. We've had them on the show here. Great guys. When we come back, we're going to talk about, hey, is there really a Catholic vote? Because I think about, and this is just a question, when we had the last election, there was a higher percentage of Catholics voting for, are you kidding? Are you ready for Biden last time? How's that? And can we regain our Catholic vote? That's what we're going to talk yeah, well, about. Yeah, this organization, Catholic Vote, is, trying is to, going to try to turn the elections around. Yeah, They're targeting practicing Catholics. Those I are the ones it. that really... That's what we need that, to do. Yeah, this is the first organization that ever goes right to, for the jugular vein. I love so, it. Yeah. When we come back, we'll do about talk about that. And Jesse, this is right up his alley. He's written much on politics and the faith. Stay with us. You'll learn a lot about how to vote with a Catholic mindset. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Catholic Vote is one of those great organizations that's... uh, 
it's it's basically come upon the scene in the last couple of years, and they're doing a yeoman's job for they the are. Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Catholic Vote, it's run by Brian Birch. They're launching a $3 million midterm and campaign aimed at kicking Catholic Democrats out of office. I mean, that talk about bold. That is a bold statement. It is. My hat's off to them. I agree. The political ad released this week targets a Catholic politician for not speaking out about vandalism and violence against pro-life pregnancy centers in Catholic churches. The ad, put out by Catholic Vote, basically goes after Representative Cindy Axney, a Democrat from Iowa, for doing nothing while churches are firebombed and radical liberals are acting like terrorists. It's only the first commercial of its kind in a larger campaign from Catholic Vote, aiming to... to call out self-proclaimed Catholics, many in the Democrat Party, for not being in line with Catholic teaching, highlighting silence from Catholic politicians on suspected arson attacks against churches, as in the Sydney, uh, Cindy Axney ad. This is only one aspect of the campaign from Catholic Vote. President Brian Birch, in an exclusive interview, he told Fox News, he said, that's one area we hope to highlight. <laughs> is that their silence, talking about Catholic politicians, their silence in the face of rampant violence nationwide signals something deeper and far more wearisome about the place of Catholic candidates inside the Democrat Party. You know what, Terry? Brian Birch, uh, this guy is is literally going further than I have ever seen anybody else do I in agree. the Catholic Church. He's holding their feet to the fire, and he's saying, if you're not towing the Catholic line and you call yourself a Catholic... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an ad out and expose you, and I'm going to call you out. Well, we should call them out, but, you know, unfortunately, they don't really care. I'm sorry, they, because if they did care, they would respond. These people who are Catholic in name only, that's why, uh, and, and I'm going to hold, this is a great article, and, and, and Brian's spot on, but I want to also put the blame on us, the church, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. the bishops should be calling them out, not Brian. The lay people that's are actually true. calling it. Just that's the shepherd. They're supposed to be shepherding the souls. Just because you're a, a Republican or Democrat, a senator, who I don't care if you're the president, you've got a soul to save, as Bishop Strickland constantly says. I'm not interested in your 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 distinguishable title. I'm interested in your soul. And I think that this is a great point where when the church leaders don't do their job, lay people step up and do it. That's right. And again, but in one instance, remember, also lay people are called to sanctify the secular and temporal order. Right. And I, th- I think that's what Brian's trying to do He's here. He's doing it. Yeah. The overarching goal of the Catholic Vote Midterm campaign, mm-hmm. which will see the campaign uh, between $2.5 and $3 million in, in ad spending and targeting 10 to 15 House races and several key Senate races in the midterm election. This is to help establish faithful Catholic politicians in government. And Brian Burt sees a political shift happening that could put an end to the Catholic Democrat, typified by politicians who profess the faith, but hold vastly different views on moral issues than than the church. Amen. Uh, Exhibit A, President Joe Biden, who's used an abortion, have shifted dramatically to align with the platform of his party, He's only the second Catholic to be elected to the presidency. But according to Brian Birch, Biden represents the last of a certain type of Catholic Democrat. Terry? Yeah, well said. And he's, he's, he's definitely on top of all of this. 
And, you know, Jesse, when you think of people like Pelosi, you think of Biden and other names in politics, and you just go, why, why, why are these people still in, um, in, in the positions they're in? Well, I think what Brian is going to do, and with everybody's support, I'm a, I'm a, I give him money on a regular basis. Why? Because I like what he's doing, man. He's, and he also gives you lots of information about yeah. uh, the different things. You, you know, take a long time to read it all, but he's, he's on top of it. So these midterms, sure. like he said, he believes the control of the Senate will come down to key races, and that's what he's working on. Because let's be honest with it, Jesse. If we, if we, the pro-life, I don't talk Democrat, Republican. You know what I talk? Right. Pro-life. Pro-life, pro-death. Yeah. Yes, pro-death. Pro if the pro-life uh, um, Republicans, who they are, okay, the pro-life people, they get in, these things are going to change. Just look, look what happened when you had a pro-life president. He picked three of the Supreme Court nominees to get in, and look what happened. Roe versus Wade got turned around. Come on, give me a break. If Biden would have picked the three liberals, we wouldn't be here today. That's how important elections are, Jess. And Terry, this article, just like all the other articles regarding these issues, they're always full of pictures of houses or pregnancy counseling centers or churches being yeah. vandalized. Oh, yeah. This, this is just part of who the left is. Yep. Uh, but uh, like you said, uh, yeah. Brian Birch believes that the control of the Senate will come down to key races that feature Catholic politicians. That's right. J.D. Vance, the Republican nominee for Senate in Ohio, converted to Catholicism in 2019. Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters was raised Catholic. Adam Lexall, who would be the first Catholic senator from Nevada, if he defeats Senator Catherine Cortez Mastro, who's a Democrat from Nevada, as was Senator Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida, who has proposed a slate of pro-worker, pro-life pro policies in recent years. Yes. If those Republicans win in November that I just mentioned, yeah. Brian Birch says you're going to have a kind of Catholic block that's very different than the Catholic block that existed over the last 50 years. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Add in the signs of Hispanic and Latino voters, many of whom are Catholic, are moving towards the Republican Party because yeah, see, of their pro-life platform. Yes, yeah, see, that's a fact. You've been on top of that for months now. Yeah. Actually, a couple of years now, yeah. Terry, and I've been seeing the trajectory. You see it, don't you? Who's the one down south right on the border? The one, the woman, that she was just My, like... Myra, Myra, Myra Flores. There's a good example. Yeah. And there's many more like her, Terry, running for around the country. Yeah. Uh, because Brian Birch, he actually sees the Hispanics at the center of this new political era. Well, look at the numbers, Jess. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He says, a key animating issue for Catholic and evangelical Christians, political advocacy has long been the pro-life movement. Yep. Yep. And with Roe being overturned, mm -hmm. abortion will continue to be a crucial issue as Democrats push for federal abortion protections and Republicans consider a nationwide ban. Abortion is going to be at the center of the midterm, and it's impossible to tell the abortion story in politics without talking about the Catholic story. The Catholic Church essentially helped launch the pro-life movement after 1973, Supreme Court ruling in Roe v.ersus Wade, which interpreted abortion as a private act and therefore protected under the U.S. Constitution, which is, thanks be to God, has been repealed. Yep. The church has also been a big part of the pregnancy resource movement, which is now under attack. The U.S. Council of Catholic Bishops keeps a running list of incidents of suspected violence against parishes since 2020, ranging from repeated damage to sprinkler systems to graffiti and apparent arson 
Radical pro-choice groups have taken responsibility for some, if not most, of the attacks. Terry? Kenny says Catholic voters have swung between parties in recent decades, and surveys of all Catholics show that they are divided in terms of which party they support. Now, the recent ruling of the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which overturned Roe versus Wade, sent the issue of abortion to be decided by states, we've said that, caused some Catholics to express apprehension at the strong role conservative Catholic uh, justices play on the Supreme Court. Catholic commentator Maureen Dode wrote that after the draft Dobes decision leaked in May that she feels an intense disquiet that the Catholic doctrine may be shaping or <laughs> misshaping the freedom and the future of millions of women and men. There is a corona of religious fervor around the court at church's ethos that threatens to turn our whole country upside down. Oh, boy. Go ahead, Jess. To Birch, <laughs> whose organization mainly focuses on mobilizing what he calls faithful yeah. or regular mass-attending Catholics, mm -hmm. Rose End means an opportunity for Republicans and Democrats together to create policies that are more life-affirming beyond the issue of abortion. Politics is an essential place for Catholics to be involved because of the mission to create societies that are more caring, acting on Christian principles. But asked about the risk of aligning too closely to a single party, Brian Birch suggested it is necessary to leverage politics along with other aspects of the culture to spread the church's teaching and principles to create life-affirming just societies. In other words, again, use a political party like a football, advance the football. Yep. We need now to push the Republican Party, Brian Birch says, and I think you're seeing this, to combine that moral principle with needed assistance for women and families. The potential for public policy has been unleashed now that the shackles of Roe versus Wade have been removed. It's an extraordinary opportunity for the Republican Party to embrace women, children, families in a way that's not just good for people and for the country, but certainly for its own political success. And this is exactly the Catholic moment that Catholics should roll up their sleeves and should put the pedal to the metal. Amen. And again, once again, align ourselves with that party that's going to advance the football of faith, uh, you know, yeah. uh, down to make a touchdown. And Jesse, that's the analogy we say. There's no perfect party. There's no perfect no. Uh, politician, but what we try to do as Catholics vote who's going to move that football towards the first down towards a goal it might not be a, a touchdown, but we can go for a first down. And so when you look at both parties with your Catholic mindset, you got to ask yourself who's for life. And it's a simple answer. The Democrats are for death. The, the Republicans are for life. Guess who I'm going to vote for? Because I'll tell you, Jesse, I thought about my exit interview often. Like every day I think of my death. And I even think, God's going to ask me, why did you vote for this particular person? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? All these things come up in my exit interview. Jesse, I don't want to be there at my exit interview trying to justify voting for a politician who kills unborn babies because he also is going to give me a free check or he's going to give me health care. And I was thinking about myself over the life of a baby. I just hope I don't have that happen. I, I'm going to make it not happen because guess what? I won't vote for killers. I hope you don't either. That's right. Yep. Well, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. By the way, if you like what you hear, 
You can support the show by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMPR Radio, at VMPR Radio. We've also got a YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. So once again, if, if you like the show and if you want to help support us, share us with your friends and evangelize everyone you love. Up next, we're going to be talking about the way human rights advocates are responding after Pope Francis says the Vatican-China China deal is moving well. And, and Jess, let me jump in one more thing. At supporting our show by going to catholicrc.org, there's lots of downloads. But I'm also putting up there, Anthony tells me today, that my four talks that I did on how to share your faith with anyone is available on our website, and it's free. You can just share those with your friends and family, and I'd be happy to you know, give that to you. Uh, just go to PRC, or catholicrc.org. And like Jess said, when we come back, yeah, we're going to talk about the human rights advocates responding after Pope Francis says, hey, this Vatican deal moving well for the last four years. Well, I don't think so. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back, Jess. Before we get to this human right advocate responding to Pope Francis, I just have to mention something I said about evangelization, how to share your faith. My engineer just sent me a quote from Fulton Sheen. I love this. A Catholic who does not make an effort to spread the faith is a parasite of the Catholic Church. (laughs) He says, a Christian is a man whom our Lord has entrusted to other men. He breaks bread to the poor through our hands. He comforts the sick through our lips. He visits the afflicted through our feet. He sees the wheat fields through our eyes and gathers the beams into his barns of eternal through our toil. Therefore, be worthy of the name Christian means that we too must thirst for the spread of God's love. And if we are not thirsty, we will never be invited to sit at the banquet of life. The the crowns will, will be given only to the winners I love that line, Bishop Sheen. And the, everybody doesn't get a trophy, Jess? And he, no. says, he, says, uh, he says, and the glass of eternal wine only to those who are thirsty. A Catholic who makes no effort to spread his faith is a parasite of the Catholic Church and who, who bears not no fruit is like a tree torn down on the road, which prevents the march of God's army. He who is not conquering spirit is in a wren denied. The torch of faith has been given to us not to delight our eyes, but to light the torch of our fellows. Fellows, If we do not burn and we are not on fire for the divine cause, an ice invasion will sweep the earth and then it will be the end. Because when will the Son of Man return and find faith on earth? Luke chapter 18. The measure of our apostleship is the intensity of our love. The human heart loves to talk about the object of its love, loves to be praised. Fulton Sheen, full Sheen ahead. Now I know why you haven't been canonized. I get it. You, oh, you, yeah, of he's course. too straight, man. Nobody wants to hear that. We do because it's the truth. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, Terry. It, it, make it simple. Catholic evangelization yeah. it starts with Jesus. Amen, brother. It's empowered by Jesus. That's right. And it will end with a Jesus in heaven. Amen. So remember, the more we know about Jesus, the yep. more we pray to Jesus, yep. the more we follow Jesus, the more we're going to know Jesus 
And the more we're going to want to share Jesus with all those around us. That's the goal of Catholic life. And that's the goal of Virgin Most Powerful. God bless Fulton yes. Sheen. All right, Jess, I'm, I had to put that in because I got fired up on that one. Human rights uh-huh. advocates respond. They've raised concerns about the heightened restrictions on Christians in China after Pope Francis expressed hope that the Holy See's agreement with Beijing will be renewed in the fall. That's not good news. No. That is not good news. Nearly four years after the Holy See entered into an agreement with Chinese authorities in September 2018, Pope Francis told Reuters in an interview published this week that he believes the agreement is moving well. Human rights advocates disagree. I do too. Amen. Nina Shea, the director for the Center for Religious Freedom at the Hudson Institute, told Catholic News Agency on July 6th, that since the agreement was signed in 2018, the Communist Party in China has all but destroyed the Catholic underground church and tightened conformity with its teachings over the patriotic church. Yep. The Nina Shea says that the six new Episcopal appointments used to justify the Beijing agreement are offset by the detention, arrest, or disappearance of six Vatican-recognized Catholic bishops. She's awesome, this Shay. I, I know her. She's amazing. Keep going. Children man. are now banned from churches and exposure to religion. Mm-hmm. Bibles are tightly restricted and censored on the Internet and in app stores. Churches are blanketed with high-tech state surveillance. Priests and Christian leaders are forced into lifelong indoctrination on Christianity according to communist thought and required to actively support communist practices, leadership and core values, even in the homilies, Terry, can you believe this is brutal? Even the homilies are regulated. Tell us about that. Bishop Paul Lei Xiyin of Lashan, China, one of the illegitimately ordained Chinese bishops whose excommunication was lifted after the Vatican and China signed the agreement, recently celebrated the birth of the Chinese Communist Party in his local cathedral on June 29th, the Solemnity of St. Peter and Paul. Catholics who attended the ceremony in the brutal. cathedral of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in Lishan, China, were invited to listen to the word of the Communist Party, feel the grace of the oh. Communist Party, and follow the Communist Party. This was reported by Asia News, Terry. And Jesse, see, this is why, with all due respect to Pope Francis, saying that the deal is moving well, that's not moving well. And, you know, Jesse, I'm going to add something the article doesn't have. We want transparency. The Holy Father has said we have a church of transparency. For four years, nobody knows what's in the deal. Why? I mean, I'm a layman. I have no authority other than Canon 212. I want to let my pastors know my needs. Please, all of this thing with the China, I've met people from China. They've been in my studio. They've been on Virgin Most Powerful, saying, writing letters to the Holy Father saying, don't sign the deal. It's, it's ruining it for us here. And so, you know, since this deal was reached, things have gone from bad to worse for Catholics in China. And, and let's be honest. She said the secretary of the China-Vatican deal has been used to bully faithful Chinese Catholics. And Jesse... This article points out how bad this deal is. But you know what the worst part about it is? That it's the Vatican who's saying, yeah, this is a good deal. And when the, the poi polloi, the people in the pews are going, no way, we're being persecuted. I can't even have my kid go to CCD because 
You know, he's under 18 years of age. Holy Father, Vatican, please wake up. Is this a microphone on? I had to say that. Please, exactly. the Vatican, wake up and smell the roses. Yes. Yeah, Terry, this uh, this deal has gone from bad oh, to we have to for speak Catholics up. in China. Sick, sick of it. Yeah, these are these are brothers and sisters in Christ. Exactly. And uh, Reggie Littlejohn, she told Catholic News Agency, oh, yeah. she's the president of the Women's Rights Without Frontiers. That's an aid and advocacy organization that works with women on the ground in China. The organization was founded in response to forced abortions and sterilization under China's one-child policy. This saintly woman, she said that the secrecy of the China-Vatican deal has been used to bludgeon faithful Chinese Catholics. Reggie Littleton called on the Vatican to release the text of the Holy See's provisional agreement with the Chinese Communist Party government, which has been kept secret since the agreement was first signed in 2018. Why, Why isn't this made public? Why can't we read... The Vatican-China Accord. Yeah. What is it that the Vatican is trying to, to hide, hide. From, from the regular rank-and-file Catholic? Well said. Faithful Catholics cannot defend themselves or their church because they, don't have, they do not have access to the secret deal, to what was said. When discussing the Holy See's diplomacy with China, Pope Francis said, quote, The diplomacy is the art of the possible and of doing things to make the possible become a reality. Close quote. I hate to say it, Tori, but this is again more ambiguous. More, more, more ambi- that means nothing. What he just said that meant nothing, Terry. I know. There was no, there was no meaning to that sentence. Yep. Nina Shea, she's a good girl. Responded. She said, "Quote: It's difficult to see how the Pope can possibly succeed in the art of diplomacy when dealing with a force as evil as the Communist Chinese Party." She said, "I think the Vatican should be energetically bolstering the underground church." and speaking up for human rights, not making accommodations with the CCP, and self-censoring on important moral issues. New Chinese government measures came into effect on June 1st, also placed the financial management of places of worship yep. and religious donations under the control of the United Front Work Department, which is a branch of the CCP. Hey, can, can I give the Vatican a little advice? Don't negotiate with the devil. You lose every time. That's a spiritual life, too, but also on the practical uh, levels. What they just did is they sold us out. I'm sorry, Jesse, I hate to have to say that about my church, but those are souls in China that are being really just being sold a bill of goods. And not only being sold a bill of goods, they're being undermined in their own faith. They're like, it's like, it's like saying, oh, we're, we're, we're with you, but then when it comes to supporting them, they're saying, no, we're, we're going to let the communist government uh, do everything, and we're second fiddle. We're not even in. We can't even practice our faith. This is horrible, Jess. Absolutely horrible. The United Front has the task. This communist department, uh, it's called the United Front. They work for the Communist Party. They have the task of ensuring that groups outside of the Communist Party, such as uh, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, yeah, uh, Hong Kong democracy activists, and and the Catholic Patriotic Association are following the party line. Xi Jinping has called the United Front Work Department one of his magic weapons used to co-opt and control. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Does it well. Just the part that I really think is powerful that Asian News reported under new measures that religious groups, like you said, the finances and operations are monitored, but Catholic priests who minister in China legally, okay, legally, the government, 
are requiring them to sign a paper in which they promise to support atheistic communist party and China. Jesse, I mean, are you kidding me? They are the only, they only allow the minister in recognized places of worship in which minors under the age of 18 are not allowed to enter to come in. Jess, are they going to have, you know, can you imagine, let's play this role right here in the United States. They, we cannot stick to our Catholic faith. You're going to be supporting the government. Everybody would say, yeah, we're, go pound sand. But in China, the Vatican is saying, this is a good deal. Is this microphone on? Give me a break. Yeah, Terry, this is, uh, like you said, Horrible. This, is deal with, this is a deal with the devil. It is. Since March 2022, religious groups in China have been barred from conducting any religious activities online without first applying and receiving approval from the Provincial Department of Religious Affairs. Unbelievable control. According to Asia News. It's amazing. Homilies and live stream masses can only be posted online after obtaining a special license. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Yes, Where's the good uh, part? I still don't see. I'm sorry, Holy Father, Holy See. This is a bad deal for the salvation of souls in China. And I don't have anybody that I know personally there. But you know what? I'm, I'm related to them through baptism. So I want to stand amen. up for them, Jesse. They're my brothers and sisters. Yes. Hong Kong's Cardinal Joseph Zen retired. He's a vocal critic of the, Vatic uh, of Vatic uh, the Vatican China deal. Good man. He's going to face trial in September along with four other prominent uh, democracy advocates. Wow. God help us. Lord help us. Pray Lord for the help church Chinese in brothers. China. Wow. When we come back, full Sheen ahead with the Bishop Sheen's article on worship. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Terry Fulton Sheen yep. was, a, was a, a man of the church. This is why he hasn't been canonized, because he spoke out a lot against communism. Yep. Spoke out a lot against homosexuality. Yep. Sexual immorality, period. Yep. Spoke, he spoke out a lot against uh, the Freemasons as well. This is why, again, he's paid a price for it, because he, he should have an ST before his name. I agree. Hey, Jess, let me throw something about Fulton. we got to get this contact, but... Father Murr told me the story about Cardinal McIntyre at a bishop's conference where Sheen was being hit by modernists at one of these conferences because he was retired. And McIntyre went over to him and said, hey, guys, what's your problem? He says, uh, Fulton Sheen's spot on. You got some issues? Let's talk about it. But McIntyre was a man that would knock you out physically, okay? And you see, this is what a lot of these wimps in our church need. Sorry, Jesse, I'm saying it. They need to be challenged by men who are bishops who are willing to say, dude, you're wrong. You want to talk about it? Let's deal with it. This is why Fulton Sheen is not a saint, is because we've got a lot of weakness in the church right now. Go ahead. I'm sad to say it, Jess. Sorry. I'm but glad you did. I'm just on my mind. <laughs> yep. Th this article is, is, uh, is called Sacramentality of Buildings. By, by, it's, it's written by Joseph Tuttle, but it takes the, oh, it takes the lecture of Fulton Sheen. Oh, yeah. yeah, it takes his content. It's, it's, it's his uh, theological, intellectual oh, property. Yeah. Uh, although largely known for his work as a preacher, uh, Fulton Sheen was the host of the radio program, The Catholic Hour, TV shows, many books, and extensive academic career. Fulton Sheen had a, lo a great love for sacred architecture. The crowning jewel of church architecture for Sheen was the Gothic, cathedral, the Gothic tradition. 
in his life, Sheen had a great devotion to our Blessed Mother. This affection transferred over to one of his favorite churches, the Gothic Cathedral of Notre Dame in France, Paris, France. Oh, yeah. In his book, Thoughts for Daily Living, written in 1956, Sheen discusses two important points regarding sacred architecture. Number one, the philosophy behind architecture. And number two, the sacramentality of architecture. He writes this, quote, Architecture is a reflection of a philosophy of life. Close quote. This short quote gets to the heart of all architecture, particularly church architecture. Every church is meant to be a microcosm of the heavenly Jerusalem. I've heard Scott Hahn say that oh, as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Continuing Sheen, and I've also heard uh, uh, the guy from um, Adoramos, uh, uh, Duncan Stroick, yeah, Duncan yeah. Stroick, the great architect. I don't, know, I don't know where he's at these days, but uh, continuing, Sheen explains the view of the modern world and its effect on architecture. The basic philosophy of the contemporary world is materialism or the denial of the spirit. But if there is no world above, above that which can be seen, touched, and scientifically analyzed, then there can never be ornamentation. For ornamentation is symbolism or the communication of the non-material through the material. Ornamentation implies another world beyond this world. Amen. Sheen himself was not a liturgist nor an architect. He did not understand the nuances between ornamentation and decoration. His point, however, is clear for architects. One's philosophy or way of thinking is the basis of architecture. Yep. Well, that speaks volumes about the architecture a lot of the church. Oh, today. big time. If one is a classicist, their buildings will be in the classical tradition. If a modernist, then the buildings will be modern. In the previous quote, Sheen is also hinting at the sacramentality of architecture. I love it. In these are the sacraments, Sheen writes, that a sacrament, in a very broad sense of the term, combines two elements, one visible and the other invisible one that can be seen or tasted, or touched, or heard, the other unseen to the eyes of the flesh. A spoken word is a kind of sacrament because there's something material or audible about it. There is, some, there is something spiritual about it, namely its meaning. A sacrament, therefore, broadly understood, is something physical that makes present some invisible spiritual reality. So the point that he's making is that the physical structures of a beautiful church oh, yeah. are conveying the invisible reality of heaven, the new Jerusalem. And, and Jesse, what I get excited about is just apply this sacramental principle to architecture. Yeah. And it means that an office is meant to look like an office, right? And a church <laughs> to look like a church. What Sheen was witnessing in his own day, and as we are witnessing in our own day, is that since the contemporary world is extremely materialistic, modern act architecture is devoid of sacramentality. As an example, she notes the United Nations building and many other buildings on Park Avenue in New York look like illuminated cracker boxes. But you know what, Jess? This is the same thing in 1976 when San Francisco built their cathedral. People said it looks like a, a washing machine, an old wash agitator. And why? Because it had no look of the supernatural. So this whole article breeds that bottom line is 
good uh, architecture brings God into the picture. And the architecture of the last 50 years, many churches that are being built, they look like, well, they're multi-purpose buildings. They can be a basketball court after mass. That's not the way we want to do things. Continue, Jess. Sheen says, while discussing the sacramentality of buildings, Sheen writes about the sacramentality of the church building, particularly the cathedral. Yep. The world is the great sacrament, and the cathedral is the greater one. Isn't that beautiful? The cathedral synthesized everything, all kingdoms, the mineral, the vegetable, the animal, the humans, and the angelic, all arts, all sciences, and all times left their trace on the cathedral. All nature rebelled with Adam, and all nature was redeemed in Christ. Mm-hmm. Hence, our Lord was sent out to his, with his, to his, sent out his apostles to teach. Uh, to teach did not say, preach the gospel to every man, but preach the gospel to every creature. That's right. Ah, creature. Good point. Yep. The architects of the cathedrals again took him at his word, and brought every creature into their structures. There are trees and flowers and birds and fishes. And it reminds me of the Temple of Jerusalem. Uh, Sheen is here writing on the cosmological aspect of church architecture. All the statues and mosaics of angels and saints and nature represent the angels, saints, and nature that give praise to God in the heavenly Jerusalem. Once again, Sheen brings to the foreground the sacramental character of such church architecture. Jesse, the next paragraph says it all. Hit it. Say it. All right. Not only does Sheen criticize modern architecture... But he explains why it looks the way it does. He says, ancient architecture was always using material things as signs of something spiritual. But today, our architecture is flat. Boy, that's for sure. Nothing but steel and glass, almost like a cracker box. Why? Well, because our architects have no spiritual message to convey. And Sheen, you nailed it. Modernism says that there is no spiritual realm, no angels, no demons. The modernist makes the same mistake that Adam and Eve made in the garden. It removes God and places himself in him in his, instead. So there you go, Jess. Sheen writes that when civilization was permeated with a happier philosophy, yep. when things that were seen were regarded as signs and outward expressions of the things that were not seen, architecture was enhanced with a thousand decorations. A pelican feeling her young from, oh, from her own veins. Yep. Symbolized the sacrifice of Christ. The lion breathing new life into her dead cubs represented the resurrection. The fox peeking his head around the corner was a warning against the wileys of Satan. Every church is meant to be a microcosm of the new Jerusalem. It should be adorned, as St. John describes it in the, throughout the book of Revelation. When a man disregards his philosophy of life, one ends up with centrums in house churches, buildings that reflect a modernist philosophy of life. For Sheen... Architecture, especially sacred architecture, speaks volumes to the human race. He believed that sacred architecture was was even spoken of in the gospel writings. I love it. Quote, our Lord, on occasion of his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, said that if men held their praise from him, the very stones would cry out, which they did indeed in Gothic cathedrals. Now the stones are silent. For modern man believes there's no other world, no other destiny than that of the stone itself. It is said that all reform and renewal of the church begins with an interior reform and renewal of the self and the individual. This is also true for sacred architecture. The solution to this problem is regain the philosophy of life that says there is a God, a heaven, a hell, angels, demons, and saints. As Sheen says, 
When faith in the spiritual is lost, architecture has nothing to express or symbolize. This philosophy is that for the Catholic Church, it should be taught not only at schools, but especially in the home, within the family. For Sheen, then, if one wishes to see the sacramental character of sacred architecture restored, this philosophy of life is the starting point for its renewal. Wow, full Sheen ahead on that. Bishop Sheen says, show me your church buildings and I will tell you who you are. That's how I took that article. And again, this is why sacred liturgy is so important. And I'll tell you, Jess, we talked about how do you renew your church, even ad orientum, even having mass with a priest, not facing the people, but facing God, changes the whole issue of the sacredness of the mass. These are little things that need to be done. And I understand, uh, I believe that lay people like us, Jesse, are asking more of their parish priests to be more traditional. Can we kneel, Father, when we receive Holy Communion on the tongue? This is this is a big movement in the last 15 years is coming on strong, and I think it can renew the church, Jess. I, I totally agree with you, Terry. And uh, just let's just be honest. Yeah, tell me. When you walk into a beautiful church yep. versus walking into a basketball gym you know, a, with banal white walls, yeah. you can feel the presence of God Absolutely. even more so. In other words, Terry... It already starts. It already starts preparing you and getting you in tune to enter into the interior life of prayer. That's what beauty does. And Pope Benedict said a lot of similar things that yes. Filton Sheen says. <clears throat> now, Pope Benedict, in one of his one of his many books that I've read, he the said, "Liturgy, the spirit of the liturgy." Ignatius, probably Christ. that. Go one. ahead. No, I know. What, I know one. what you're going to say. Go hit me. Yeah, he he said that that, that there's two ways to evangelize. Yep. He said is people are evangelized through beauty and music. Amen, brother. Beauty and I would recommend that book, Spirit of the Liturgy from Benedict. It's it's published by Ignatius Press. I yeah, we're passionate about worship because again, the way you worship is the way you believe. So if you have weak worship, you got weak faith. I think that that's an axiom that the church has seen all through from the beginning. I want to thank you again for joining us. Yes, this has been great. I want to remind people that life is short. Eternity is forever. Don't forget, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for. Please make those sacrifices for the salvation of souls. Jess, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. And remember, if you you like the show, share the show link at (laughs) vmpr.org or uh, share our YouTube channel, Full Sheen Ahead. Or you can find us on social media at vmpr.org. VMPRradio.com. VMPR Radio, excuse me. VMPR Radio. And if you have Share it with your friends. Yeah, Share it you with ha- your friends. If you have an AM station, tell them to pick up Virgin Most Powerful. It's absolutely free. We're happy to get that. May God richly bless you and your family. Full sheen ahead here. Like.